Hi, everyone. Cheryl Cran here, founder of Next Mapping, and I'm really pleased that you're able to join me here on my new podcast, Next Now. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing a bunch of things uh, from my own personal viewpoint, but also I'll have many special guests. I'm really talking about the future of all things. We've gone beyond the future of work. It's the future of society. It's the future of family. It's the future of being human and really looking at what are the things that we need to be looking at today and what are the behaviors we need to change today and how can we leverage the trends and the patterns of what's been happening in the past to have new approaches today and therefore create a new and better future for all of us in every area of our life. Uh, you may have heard in the last few years since the pandemic the, the term the great resignation. I actually call it the great reevaluation, which means people have been looking at their lives through a new lens, through the lens of life and death, through the lens of illness and wellness, through the lens of what really matters, uh, you know, asking themselves deep spiritual questions such as who am I? Why do I work to do what I do? How much work is enough work? Why do I commute? Um, is what I'm doing soul sucking or is it soul affirming? Those are the types of questions that everyone are asking themselves. So it's only natural that when we talk about the future of all things, that it has to go far beyond the work. It has to go to encompass everything that we do in our lives. Uh, my new book, Super Crucial Human, which will be available shortly, I cover off this new era that we're in, that in this period of deep spiritual questioning, out of that comes the realization that unless we are deeply focused on human, what it means to be human, unless each of us are willing to up-level our skills, we are not going to create a future that is people first or human centric. And so I'm really passionate about this because in the book, I talk about love. And uh, yes, I know for many of you, you might go, what, how, what's love got to do with work or got to do with what we're dealing with? It's got everything to do with it because love is an action. And I'm talking about love from a place of loving our families, obviously, loving our relationships, obviously, but Taking that to the next level, loving our employees. What does it mean to love an employee as an action versus just have an employee on the payroll? The difference is if you love your employee, you're looking at your employees through the lens of your honor to have them on the team, that you're, you're grateful for their gifts and how they contribute to the value of the organization. There's a new level of human-centric value that we place when we use the word love in action. And then if we extend that concept to love in action for customers, it means that we love our customers so much that we are grateful that they are uh, honoring us with being able to serve them, that we are grateful that they're helping us grow the business, that we are grateful for the, you know, the opportunity to learn from and to grow with and evolve with, and then take that to another level to our suppliers and our partners. And rather than see them as a means to an end to accomplish a business goal, we have that honoring, almost sacred thought around the interaction and the relationships that we have. Now, I know for many of you listening to this, you might go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, I don't even like some of the people that I interact with. So now you're asking me to, to elevate to love. And, and that would be probably a natural human reaction. And obviously, when we talk about love as an action, it's aspirational. It's that we all want to be better humans so that we can share that capacity more consistently. And I know for myself, you know, obviously having written the book and talking about this and working with clients, I hold myself to a high standard of, of being able to embody this. And it's not easy. And it's not something that happens overnight. And it's just by simply first making the commitment to that higher standard that we begin to pay more attention. We have greater awareness. And then we also start to notice our behaviors that are in alignment with that higher ideal of how we want to behave.
So, you know, love is just one component of next now. In fact, in my book, I interviewed a company called Integrate AI, where love is one of their actual company values. And I was intrigued by that. And when I interviewed them for the book, they said, you know, love also is something that allows us to have crucial conversations. It allows us to uh, create an environment of mutual accountability. So when we say love, it doesn't mean it's, you know, peace you know, rock and roll and everybody can get away with everything. What we really mean by it is it's a standard of behavior for all of us so that we can engage with each other in a way that is honoring that human to human connection. So when we talk about next now, and that's just an example of the future of being human, but also when we look at the future of society, all trends and patterns are pointing towards a society where it will be, uh, technology will be enabled to allow us to have more human to human connection. And we've already seen that happen. Social media to me feels like an archaic example. I would say that a modern example of, of technology for good is some of the innovations that we're seeing around healthcare and health development, uh, wellness innovation, where we're seeing connection innovation. Um, you know, for example, Facebook might seem like it was a connection innovation, but then it was also leveraged for harm. Uh, and what we're seeing in the future is AI and the creators of these new emerging technologies are going to build in capacity so that we are staying focused on positive and inclusiveness while still having critical thinking and dialogue, but less of the bullying behaviors that we see on some social media or the attacking behaviors. We're going to see less of that because A, the technology is going to take care of that, but B, as we all evolve ourselves to better human beings, we're going to have less and less tolerance for people who exhibit those behaviors. Uh, so that's one example of, of society. When we think of uh, the future of families, we're noticing that as the generational impact continues to uh, influence organ, uh, influence families, we see that you know younger people are are intolerant of anybody making inappropriate racist comments in the family, or they're un they're not willing to accept uh, bias or judgment or sexism or racism or bigotry um, and, and to, to a level that they'll hold each other accountable within the family dynamic. So, you know, those are just some examples. Now, when I talk about this, you're probably listening going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like th this is like, you know, Cheryl, you're talking future society, future family. This is a future that I'm not sure how it's going to work. So rather than get into the head logical mind with what I'm saying, I'm really would really encourage you to keep that open heart centered mind that says, yes, it makes sense based on what you know. I'm not asking you to believe me and to hold what I say as your truth. I'm asking you to discern with what I'm sharing in this, this uh, future of society, future of family, next now, and just see if it resonates with you. Uh, if it doesn't resonate, that's cool too, because what that means is you're going to ruminate about it, you're going to research about it, you're going to think about it until you make it uh, valid for yourself. And really, that is the future as well is that there are no gurus. There are no people that are better than you or have more insights than you. It's really about gathering information from a variety of sources so that we can plan our future based on what aligns with, with, with who we are and what we believe is true. I know for me, I am a pragmatic optimist. Um, I've always been an optimist. Um, I grew up with a really probably difficult childhood. And, and I shouldn't say probably, I grew up with a difficult childhood. And that shaped me to have that belief that, um, you know, yes, this is a tough go. And on the other side of that, I believe things are only going to get better. 
as an adult, a mature adult, pragmatic optimism means that I am a visionary, I'm inspiring, I paint pictures of hope and future for for everyone and for people that I interact with, both personally and professionally. And pragmatically, it's about helping people with the how. So how do we be a better human? How do we predict the future without a crystal ball? How do we leverage what we're learning and be able to discern it so that we are creating a future for ourselves that is aligned with what we want for ourselves and for our families. And so that how piece is really the unique differentiator in in pragmatic optimism is painting the picture and getting everybody excited and inspired, but then giving those tools as to how. And I believe also patterns are pointing to, you know, in the past we would be inspired and we might go, well, that was nice and not take personal action those days are over. We are now in a situation because of the pandemic, because we all want to change, where we have to commit to personal action, personal accountability. What are we going to do to be better humans? What am I going to do to be better humans? And when I say that, I don't say it as a overarching goal where you have to feel overwhelmed. It's more about taking micro bites and micro learning goals and just taking these little areas of being a better human to elevate ourselves. So in the book, I talk about uh, conscious communication. I talk about compassion. I talk about uh, creative solutions. I talk about collaboration. Those are the four crucial human skills that we all need to really elevate right now. And then the last part of the book is all about uh, the actions to take to get there. So how do you do that? And when I talk about micro learning, it's gone are the days where you read something, go, that's it. I'm going to you know, baby out with the bathwater and I'm going to start a new leaf tomorrow. No, in fact, none of that is sustainable. Instead, it's you get inspired. You go with what inspired you the most. You know, maybe you say to yourself, you know, I really want to work on my compassion. And then maybe a micro goal is just for the next week, I'm just going to focus more on my interactions and and listening with a more compassionate ear. It'd be that simple. And then setting yourself little reminders that that's a goal you set for yourself for that week. So micro learning is also a future of uh, reality, future of work um, trend that is completely happening and is going to explode in the next few years in that the gone are the days of these con- you know comprehensive learnings where we have to learn and then remember. We're now heading into micro learning where we learn and we adapt, we learn and we apply. And therefore, we're, we're exhibiting that real-time learning. So in this introductory podcast with just me, myself, Cheryl Cran, and talking about Next Now, I hope you get a sense that we're really going to be talking about some pretty far out stuff, but also some provocative stuff. I will have guests that include social scientists, behavioral scientists, uh, social workers, health workers, um, politicians, uh, CEOs, HR professionals, and everyday folks that are navigating being a better human. So it's going to be quite, um, I think, exciting and and also inspiring so i really am grateful that you've listened to this introductory podcast and please look forward to future episodes and if you want more information please go to nextmapping.com 